you think that you published a book Said it's not a big deal, all you need is a hook Then you lie about your age so you don't seem dated A call from your agent and boom, you made it So sorry we think you're a liar, we're older and wiser Hello everyone and welcome to Older and Wiser A podcast about all things publishing in Younger I'm your host Marissa Cantor and With me is Kelsey Rodkey. Hey, Kelsey. Hi. (laughs) We're doing it. We started a podcast. It only took like, I don't know, six months. I feel like the tease was a little premature, but... We were just very excited. It's been a long year. It really has been. Should we talk a little about who we are, what this podcast is, why we're doing it, all the things... Definitely. And I think that I should go first because my credentials are much shorter than yours. <laughs> go for it. So I'm Kelsey Rodkey. Uh, I work in communications as my full-time day job, but I am also an author of a young adult novel that's going to be released May 18th, 2021. It's called Last Chance Books, and it's going to be released through Harper Teen. Um, essentially, the book is just an ode to indie bookstores, and uh, essentially just being a mess, (laughs) if my main character is any indication. That's pretty much it. I don't have, I don't have a lot to contribute to the publishing conversation except for my experiences. You have a ton to contribute to this conversation. Being an author is a huge part of the equation, Kelsey. I mean, I'm, I'm already like a step ahead of the writers of Younger, I guess. (laughs) Yes. What about you? What about me? Who am I? I am Marissa Cantor. I'm the author of the YA rom-com, What I Like About You, which is available now, and the forthcoming As If On Cue, coming to a bookstore near you on September 21st, 2021. Um, What I Like About You is a love letter to YA and internet friendship and a secret slash mistaken identity romance that asks the question, is it still a love triangle if there are only two people in it? And as if on cue, my upcoming book is um, an enemies to lovers love letter to theater. Wonderful. Yes. (laughs) And in addition to being an author, I have over five years of experience in publishing um, between internships and now my full-time job. I started in publicity in college, interning in both children's and adult publicity at a few of the big five publishers. My first full-time job was in sales on the distribution side of the industry. And I currently work in digital marketing and advertising. So basically, anything that is not editorial, I have pretty much touched it at this point, or design, because I'm not a designer. (laughs) I have to say, though, your uh, debut book is kind of timely with younger what with like the main character kind of deceiving the person she's falling for uh just like Liza and Josh yeah and I it's funny like I wonder how much because I was obviously watching younger as I was writing yeah yeah that's a good point the first draft so I wonder how much of that subconsciously had to do with it though it was probably more a Cinderella story yes. than Younger, <laughs> another another Hillary Duff property. <laughs> yes, this is the Hillary Duff universe. We just live in it. That is a cue for me to mention that I am also the co-host of The Outfit Repeaters, an unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast that I do with my fiance, 
Samsung. I think you'd be very upset if you didn't rent it. <laughs> I didn't look. <laughs> I know. But yes, this is another step in my journey to cover everything that Hillary Duff has ever done. Very excited about it. Have a lot of feelings about Younger. Have a lot of feelings about this first episode. And I think that's really why we're doing this, right? We just, we love the show, but it just like, it's comical how <laughs> little effort they put into the publishing aspect of it. <laughs> Considering it's a show that centers completely around publishing, they have no clue what they're talking about. And they do it with such confidence. Like I, I strive for that confidence in my own daily life, but um. Yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about it. Yes, today we are so excited to discuss season one, episode one of Younger, the pilot episode. In this episode, 40-year-old Liza passes herself off as 26 to land a job in the field of her dreams. Now she just has to make sure no one discovers her secret. A fantastic premise to start off the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, uh, a, it's a surprisingly tight first episode. I feel like a lot of pilots are really heavy-handed. But this one is surprisingly just like, here's what's happening, and this is how it's going to be. There, There's a lot of exposition, but in witty conversations, I feel like. I agree. Uh, the thing that struck me when I was rewatching this episode and then the second episode, which I watched back to back, is the pacing of this show is just so tight. Like I feel like it just flies by. Yes. And it I, always ends and leaves you wanting more. Yeah, it's very addictive in such a, a strange way. Like you, you just have to know what's going to happen next. And I felt the same way after watching the first episode earlier this week. I was like, I feel like I just blinked and it's it's over it's already. Okay. And then I was like ready to watch the second episode. And then I was like, no, I can't just keep watching it. I need to space it out. So I rewatched before we recorded today, uh, both one and two. And it's just... It's almost a show that probably could be a, an hour format, like not typical 30 minutes, but keeps it tight. Yeah, I can appreciate that. Something that really struck me as I was watching it. So I watched this show. Well, when did you start watching Younger? Because I started watching it in real time. I was like, yes, show about publishing. Hillary Duff is in it. I... This was made for me. <laughs> Let's go. I'm not even sure I heard about it until after I got my book deal, maybe. Um, so like in 2019, possibly. I just would hear that it's so ridiculous. And now that I had kind of like tiptoed into this world myself, I kind of wanted to feel like I knew more than someone. So I wanted to watch it. <laughs> um, and I promptly just like binge watched everything that was available. I think all six seasons were available. So I yeah. uh, I just got it all done <laughs> in one nice. go. Well, it did not give you much of an education, no. an accurate education. No, if there's an opposite of education, that's certainly what I received. That's so interesting because when I started watching it, I was it was my freshman year of college and I was very, you know, just moved to New York, <laughs> very like wide eyed and like I hadn't even had an internship yet and very much like what could pu my publishing career be? Very yes, wide eyed you, and naive. When you watched it, did you think that it was accurate? I mean, I knew that it was going to be like embellished and over the top. And I knew, I mean, not to skip ahead, but the whole 
big thing in episode two. That was the moment when I knew, oh, this is not even going to be <laughs> close to yes, close to accurate. <laughs> but it was it's funny watching it now as a 25-year-old and seeing Liza try to pass herself as a 26-year-old. And it's like, girl. Yeah, honestly, like, uh, don't judge people, but I would be giving her a, a big side eye. <laughs> Because like you Sutton are Foster looks great. Yeah. But like not 26. I'm looking at you right now as a 25 year old and you guys look generations apart. Do we want to just dive into our our segments and go off from there? Yeah, let's do it. First, we have to talk about some of the key relationships that we are going to be following throughout the course of the episode and the series. I guess in chronological order, Maggie would be the first meaningful relationship. If you ignore her daughter, which I do because I cannot oh, even yeah. remember her name. Oh, yeah. Caitlin. Caitlin. Yes. Caitlin is her 15-year-old daughter in India who is just, you know, very conveniently out of the picture while Liza does all this. Yeah. And I have a lot of feelings about the use of India in these yes. for, in this first episode that I'll save for the critique portion but yes good call caitlin is off (laughs) caitlin is off in india doing her like eat pray love thing liza is newly i guess separated she's technically not divorced yeah at this point but the big i guess inciting incident is they're selling the house yes so she is now living with maggie in williamsburg um, Maggie got into that rent-stabilized apartment life before Williamsburg became, you know, what it is, unreasonably expensive. <laughs> yes, um, she has so a huge apartment, by the way. <laughs> huge. <laughs> it's beautiful, and she's there with like multiple rooms all by herself, just living that life. I I can respect it. I would move in with her too. Yeah, I know. Like- why? Why not? <laughs> One thing that really sort of like grinds my gears is I have never heard Williamsburg referred to as the Berg as many times as it is. I I picked up on that and I was like, wait, what is the Berg? Like, what are they talking about? Because I'm from Pennsylvania. There are a lot of cities around here that end in Berg. Yeah. And I can tell you we don't call it the Berg. The Berg. (laughs) But yeah, every time it was mentioned, I was just like, wait, where is this? Because, you know, not being from around there, I don't instantly think, oh, like Williamsburg, part of Brooklyn, I think Brooklyn. So every time they did that, it's like, it's not Brooklynburg. So they're kind of, (laughs) where are they? They're beating a dead horse right here with the Berg. (laughs) Totally. They live in the Berg. They take the L train, which is the worst (laughs) train. For me, it was like Sam and I actively avoided Williamsburg outside of it being just like too expensive just because the L train is so terrible. Inside tip, things that Darren Starr would not know. Exactly. (laughs) He needs you on his team. I would love that. Honestly, my dream career outside of being an author, which is my dream career, is just like consulting on a show like this. I feel like I would bring so much to the table. 100%. All you need is one person with like 1% experience or knowledge of the industry and like your show is just significantly better. So we have the family friend, you know, her 
real life people yes. set up. And then there's the new life people. Yes, her 26-year-old life. Yes. So we have Diana Trout, her new boss, who is the same age as her. And part of me is like, immediately I'm like, Diana, Diana, like, how, how do you not see what's happening here? How do you not? <laughs> I think Diana is, uh, you know, if Kelsey had control, she would make Diana a mean old lady, but she's actually not. I was surprised upon my rewatch to find that I didn't like Kelsey. I remember liking yeah. her the first time, but I was like, wow, she's mean, like unnecessarily mean. And Diana is just like, she's obviously skeptical of Liza at the beginning, but she listens to her ideas. <laughs> she gives her the job. Mm -hmm. She's there. I feel like she feels like a kindred, like a kinship with Liza. But Kelsey's just mean. <laughs> she's nice to Liza, but because she thinks she's young. I know. It's like you realize that Diana and Kelsey are these foils of each other. At least that's how it's set up at first. And Kelsey is, her whole thing is like, yeah, we're in our 20s. We got to live it up. These are the best days of our lives, which. Like I made a note of the one thing she said, because personally, I want to name our episode this. As Taylor Swift said, <laughs> there's a special place in hell for women who don't support women. And I'm just like, Kelsey, that's you. You're yeah, not supporting women. <laughs> Only women in their yeah, yeah, 20s. Yeah, yeah, sorry. If you're over 30, you have reached the limit. Kelsey will not support you. Yeah, the, the introduction of Kelsey is very mean girl. She's the nice mean girl. You know, the girl that, that Liza mm -hmm. looks at and is like, oh, she's like approachable. She's nice to me. Like I'm going to ignore all the, the horrible things that she's saying and doing. But I mean, it makes for an interesting character at least. Definitely. And there is substantial and like meaningful growth with yes, her character. Definitely. So I'm willing to let her be a mean disaster <laughs> in this episode. And then the final big relationship is of course Josh, who I adore. Josh is like one of those characters that comes around and is like genuinely just a great character. I can't think of like any I mean, I can't remember most of the seasons at this point, but I can't think of anything that he did that made me like mad at him. He's just a good guy. Yeah, like I'm thinking of this now. Like, is is Josh a himbo? Josh is a himbo. That's a that's a great point. He was a himbo before they were cool. Um, he's also kind of like a manic pixie dream boy in a way. Like he says he like graduated college in West Virginia and then he he went traveling for a couple years. He learned how to tattoo in Tokyo. It's just like he's the ideal. 26 year old man who's off limits to Liza. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't have anything to say except I think in my notes I wrote, What a babe. That is yes, Josh. Completely. Mostly because we don't get a whole lot. We only get that one scene in the bar and then she meets him at the end. But I forgot that we don't see that first date. That actually made me so, like, I was like, Ah, it's, it's a over. little weird because, like, that's pivotal for Liza, but we don't see it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think other than that, though, Josh is in the episode probably like an appropriate amount because while he's important to the show, he's not yeah. the focus of it. Um, And it also leaves you kind of like wanting more and you're curious about him. I think that grows really well over the course of the seasons because he does become this 
main character that you that you can root for in his endeavors. Definitely. What I found to be interesting is I totally forgot that Charles is nowhere to be found yet. He doesn't exist. Yes, I really like that actually because I don't like him. He's not around at all. So I'm actually curious about what his introduction is like because I don't remember it. I don't either. And see, I the first time I watched this, I did get to a point where I was super into Charles and Liza, and I don't know why in it retrospect. It works for some people. I just think that Peter Herman is old guy hot. Like, I just think he's there's something attractive about him. I know we don't agree on that. <laughs> there's something about his um, eyes. <laughs> they're just something about him. But he's not in the second episode either, so... <laughs> I will make an opportunity <laughs> to talk about this. Yeah. And I know this isn't like an important relationship for Liza, technically, but the Kelsey Thad relationship, it's just like instant red flags. And then oh. Liza, when she uh, approaches Kelsey about it the next day, how like Kelsey was so subservient to him, Liza's claiming that Kelsey's so strong at work. And I'm just like, no, she's not. <laughs> like, why are you surprised that she's like that when you've interacted with her for 24 hours now? I am excited to watch that relationship grow again because it is a train wreck. It really is. I know. My reaction to that too was like, Liza, do you even really have the place to even – like, you've known her for yeah, a day. Yeah, too. Like, I was, it's just like, like, okay, you're, like, best friends already. Like, who was Kelsey friends with before you showed up? Did she scare that girl away? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's just uh, – they, they become very close very fast. And we also, before we move on, do have to mention Lauren, who is one of my favorite, you know – secondary maybe even like tertiary at first characters but she's just so fun she's like my favorite character to write where she just like pops up for some random hilarious thing and then she's gone (laughs) so those are the key relationships that we'll be tracking now let's dive into a bit of the publishing of it all there's a lot first of all i just wanted to address the inherent ageism in the premise yes and like okay so there is inherent ageism in the premise but then you're going into the episode and the way the episode is written and filmed there's also ageism like towards the younger generation like um the interviewers at the beginning are very vapid they're flighty like they they're not paying too much attention and they're kind of cruel to her like it's it's a a weird two-way street, except we're supposed to feel for Liza and not feel for how these younger girls are portrayed. Exactly. And it, it's interesting, too, because we are supposed to feel for Liza in that moment in the beginning. But then later on, when Kelsey is doing it to Diana, it's a weird because she's doing the same thing. But we are supposed to see Diana in a different in a different light at this point. It's It's a lot of ageism and a lot of girl hate. Which is just bizarre. Yeah. I I don't know. But speaking of Liza's like interview, I need to know the first and second interview, was she applying for a specific position or did she just show up? (laughs) Because in the first interview, she's like, I'll do anything. I'll read. (laughs) It's like, well, what what job are you there for? (laughs) 
And and if it wasn't for a specific position, why did they even interview her? Like she had a credible resume in the first uh, interview. You know, she she had been an editor before. She had publishing experience. But then for the second interview, which again was she applying for a, a specific job? Um, and if she was, honestly, why did she even get an interview with her resume that said, I went to India for three years and I wrote a book? Uh, I just don't understand really how she got her foot in the door. Yeah, it's really baffling. And the thing about publishing is there's so much gatekeeping in the industry, like in reality. And that is one of the major issues with the industry is this level of gatekeeping and the necessity to network and to kind of need to know somebody to even get your foot in the door. That's a very real thing. Um, And it's something that I definitely experienced firsthand, like even just in college at the internship level. And like, that's me, a, a privileged white person in New York. So that's a whole other issue and conversation in terms of, you know, representation in the industry, which this show doesn't even attempt to address like not even once that's another thing everybody is white except for the interviewer in the first five minutes there's one that she's asian (laughs) but everyone else is is white but yeah to bring it back to the question about interviews like it's so hard to even just get that interview you don't just like drop a resume off and just like walk right in yeah and just apply so it's hilarious to me (laughs) It gets the show going, I guess. But um, you had mentioned, you know, your privilege helping you get your foot in the door in publishing. And Liza, a very privileged woman, she is struggling for money and needs it immediately. Yet she decides, I'm going to go after my dream job in publishing, which notoriously does not pay very well. <laughs> She she has a a child. She has all this debt from her husband and her divorce and the house. And she just says, I'm going to go for that dream job of mine. Like my, my daughter's in India right now. How am I paying for that? But, you know, instead of getting a job, I know that I can get immediately and start getting money. I'm going to work in publishing. Yeah, that is not that is not, not the, the move. That is not the route. <laughs> no. Yeah, she is making at the most in that position as like a marketing mm-hmm. assistant 40k. Yeah, at the most. At most. Completely. In New York. Yeah, I mean, she's not paying rent, <laughs> but I guess, you know, there are other things to consider, especially because you are now you have two lives. You have to, you know, have your 26-year-old clothing and do your 26-year-old activities, and then you have your daughter, <laughs> you have your divorce and yeah. I think that's one of the things that Darren Starr has glamorized in publishing is the not only how quickly books get made, <laughs> but how much they get made for, you know, the the money is a little a little more than just unrealistic, I think. Yeah, the whole the whole experience really is just not it even like this is such a minor thing, but it bothers me so much the way that I think Liza at the beginning calls herself like she worked her way up to junior editor. And then Kelsey later says, I'm junior editor. That's not a position. Um, like that is. <laughs> well, there's associate, associate editors, um, which I think is what they mean. 
Yeah. But um, like because my editor started off as an associate editor. They both <laughs> mentioned junior editor and I'm just like, what does that mean? What uh, what responsibility and authority does that give you? Like when Eliza said she was the youngest to become an editor, I wanted to know more. Like, okay, what books did you work on? You know, um, <laughs> what job are you applying for now? <laughs> I just junior editors, yes. That comes from more, I think, of a like a magazine world, like that language, yeah. that title. Whereas, yeah, it would be like assistant editor or associate editor if yeah. you just did the bare minimum. <laughs> you can go on to Publishers Marketplace and you can see the announcements and they say who did them. There's also the whole level to the scheme that is so wild to me and that obviously evolves throughout the series where she is like fully breaking the law to get this job. Yeah, the legalities of it are a little sketchy. Like, I'm like, do you have a fake social security? Yeah, that was the thing. We see her getting a fake driver's license, but like you need more than that for getting paid. I think it comes up later for social. But I mean, to be hired, you need that first. (laughs) Would no one question that? Empirical is clearly not a tight operation. <laughs> like They're real loosey-goosey there. <laughs> yeah. Go on. I was going to talk about the Liza's first real task yes. in this episode. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about that because it's so hilarious to me. This big push to re-release Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice has its fan base already. <laughs> you know, it's public domain. At this point, anybody can publish it. Like, you would have to have, like, a super special package for it to even... We talk about this at work all the time because we have a line of public domain books where, like, people can get this for free now. So just of all the things that they could be doing in this moment, I'm like, why? Yeah, they they make uh, such a big deal out of it and trying to get the the social media presence and... The forward. Jane Austen's Twitter yes, account. Yes, which I like in concept. I don't like in execution. The only thing that I really take from it is one that Diana likes and values Liza's uh, ideas. And two, that <laughs> Liza had to Google, how do you start a Twitter account? <laughs> Instead of just <laughs> going to, I don't know, Twitter.com and figuring it out. One of many on the show, many strange things that they do to market books. Yeah. And when Liza suggests that there's a foreword written by J.K. Rowling or Stephanie Meyer. Like uh, the, that throws me back to when uh, her and Maggie were like training her to be a 26 year old. And she said that her <laughs> her like uh, her icon is like Katniss Everdeen and she likes One Direction. And I'm like, OK, are you a teenager or are you a 26 year old? <laughs> The references, this came out in what, 2014, 2012? 2015. But it did feel very dated already. But yeah, I was going to say 2015 is already like pushing it for all of that material. I know she's supposed to be younger, but that's not the audience for this book. Yeah, and then when Diana um, brings this idea up in the meeting and she recommends Jennifer Weiner, I was like, okay. That feels a little closer to right. <laughs> Good job, Diana. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we find out when they were releasing the ebook, but it said Jennifer Weiner's next book comes out 
in like a week or something. And it feels like maybe mismatched timing on that, but A for effort, team. Eh, timelines. <laughs> they eh. don't exist on this show. You're right. I shouldn't no. I shouldn't expect more. Are there any other pieces that we want to talk about before we get into the critique, the CP section? Nope. I uh, I'm ready to tear it apart. Let's tear it apart. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I think we can just also say the outdated references are a critique in itself because <sighs> J.K. Rowling, Stephanie Meyer, why? <laughs> okay, so one of my biggest critiques of the episode outside of you know the ageism that we already discussed and the publishing pieces we already mentioned is the depiction of India felt super insensitive and problematic to me um, and just didn't need to happen at yes. all. There was also um, a moment with Liza and Maggie. Liza said Maggie stuck with the lesbian thing. And then um, Maggie later made a transphobic comment about her waxer. Um, so those I would get rid of. Get rid of the problematic things, the outdated girl hate, the ageism. But overall, I feel like the actual structure of the plot for the first episode is pretty solid. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like we already mentioned, the pacing felt yeah. right. Pilots are always tricky. Mm -hmm. Usually they're not very good. And for me, this is a better pilot. Definitely. It felt like we did get to know Liza enough to care to tune into episode yeah. two. Um, we got a pretty good introduction to all of the main players and people in her life. And I feel like everyone got a good introduction as well. Like the characters as people will see going on to the next episode, the characters are very uh, consistent. They are themselves right from the get-go. And I appreciate that because, like we said, pilots can be just disasters. A lot can change from when, you know, the pilot is greenlit to when you actually get the rest of the, the season. So I appreciate that the character's consistency is spot on through this episode and then the rest of the season. Yeah, it is good stuff. Do you have any more critiques? Those were my big ones um, in terms of the content. Okay. Then I have um, a question for you. How many times has your cell phone gone off in a meeting? And how many times did you abandon that meeting <laughs> so you could get ready for a date that takes place hours later? Um, zero and never. That sounds right. That's what I would expect from people. But uh, Liza didn't get that memo. How did you feel about her just leaving work in that moment a lot of things about that moment were so baffling to me even just who still has custom ringtones on their phone and apparently josh said it in the two seconds he had her phone and apparently not only did he make a like a calendar uh event in her phone he changed her ringtone for the reminder <laughs> for that calendar event he added his picture <laughs> then he managed to give it back to her in less than a minute. What can I say? He's a savvy 26-year-old. That's true. He is much younger than her. <laughs> he knows how to how to use a phone. I did appreciate that when she pulled out her phone, she didn't know how to silence it. That right there should have gave her away. Yeah, she's not a great actress at all. So 
it's shocking how long this goes on for. It is. It's one of those uh, Superman things. Like you put on the glasses and no one, no one recognizes you. She says she's 26 and no one questions her. So every episode we are going to close off our little recap session with an award that we are calling the six figure advance because everybody in younger gets six figure advances and that is completely representative of publishing yeah i don't know about you but i definitely got six figures (laughs) (laughs) everyone does kelsey do you who gets the six figure advance for the pilot i gotta give it to liza she's a very charming character you do root for her even though you you're also yelling at her that she just can not do this. Yeah, I, I'm giving it to Liza for the novel that she worked on for four years. That I wish I knew what it was about. Yeah, what is it about? It's about India, probably. <laughs> what about you? I think that I would agree with that. I think it'd be weird if, you know, she is the protagonist. This was her episode. And She's great. I mean, except when she is a lying liar. But as someone who wrote a protagonist who's also a lying liar, like I can't I can't really fault her for that. She's just doing what she can to restart her career in a problematic way. But we buy into her journey and we we, we're going to keep watching. So, yeah, compelling character. We stand great first episode Stand a messy character. We do. If I didn't give it to Liza, I would give an honorable mention to Diana because I thought that she had a great first episode Ooh, too. Ooh, I was going to give it to Maggie. God, what a supportive friend. <laughs> sure, you can live with me. <laughs> sure, I'll go along with your scheme. She's just – I approve of her. She's going to get a uh, a five-figure advance from me. <laughs> a five-figure <laughs> Well, it was Maggie's idea, right? Like this whole conceit. It starts with was Josh after- and then Maggie's like, yeah, go. With roll with it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So we really have Maggie to thank mm-hmm. for the chaos that is going to unfold. Or we have Josh to thank. Or His Josh. himbo ways have brought us the show. <laughs> it's like terrible age perception. Like he is That's me though. Than- I'm very bad at ages. <laughs> Awesome. And I will be keeping track of this. So whenever we get to the end, there will be a winner who actually gets the six-figure advance. They get a seven-figure advance. Awesome. So that wraps up the pilot episode of Younger and really our first episode of Older and Wiser. This is so fun. I am already excited for the weeks to come and the guests that we have. Each episode, we are going to close with a recommendation for a writing slash publishing related podcast. Um, So if you liked this, here is a good place to go to next. And Kelsey, would you like to give this week's recommendation? This week, we are recommending The Author Diaries, which is hosted by Sierra Elmore. Uh, She is a person that is deeply entrenched in the publishing industry. Uh, She is very funny, very smart, and she is bringing on a ton of authors to kind of give us the inside scoop on what it's actually like to be in publishing. So nothing like younger. Yeah, it is so funny, so much knowledge, so much wisdom. Check it out. Or else. (laughs) And now that is officially, officially a wrap on Older and Wiser. We should plug some stuff before we go. Kelsey's been the social media guru 
of this operation. <laughs> it's why our social media is so bad. Um, yeah, uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at OlderWiserCast uh, for both. And if you wanted to email us for any reason other than telling us this is bad, our email is OlderWiserPodcast at gmail.com. I'd also love to plug the other podcasts that you can check out under the paginated media umbrella. On Tuesdays, of course, we have The Outfit Repeaters, an unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast co-hosted by Sam Chung and myself. And on Thursdays, be sure to check out Crowning Around, a crown recap podcast hosted by Sam Chung, Ivan Vukovic, and Carlin Greenwald. Um, if you want to find me online on Twitter, I'm at Kelsey Rodkey and Instagram at K-R-O-D-K. Marissa? And to find me, I am just at Marissa Cantor on Twitter and Instagram. Perfect. It is time to close the book on this week's Older and Wiser. Stay tuned for next week when we discuss season one, episode two, Liza Sows Her Oats with special guest Rachel Lynn Solomon, our very good friend who we are very excited about. Yes, we did not ask her. We just told her. You will do this. You will be our first guest and you will like it. The end. Thank you.